Greetings, everyone, and welcome back to Surviving My Podcast. A survivor podcast about living with dissociation, anxiety, and PTSD in support of all who have survived the trauma of abuse. Join me as we heal together, raise awareness, and inspire everyone to survive, thrive, and conquer their past. Greetings, everyone. Welcome back to Surviving My Podcast. My name is Matt. I'm super stoked to have you back here again for another edition of the show. Hope you guys are all doing well. If you are a first-time listener, thanks so much for joining me. I'm glad that you found the show, and I hope you'll find it validating and encouraging both for you and for the survivor in your life. And if you are a long-time listener, you guys rock. You're amazing. You really help keep me going. Thanks so much for your support, for your encouragement for always coming in and checking out the shows and spreading the word on social media uh, in support of all survivors. So again, if you're a first time or a long time, welcome. And this is the um, last podcast during the uh, Child Abuse Prevention Month here in 2017. And we're going to finish it off with a good friend and returning guest. Rachel Grant is here with me again. So Rachel, how is it going and how are you? Hi, Matt. I'm good today. Things are trucking right along. I'm so glad that you're able to take some time out of your day to join me again as we talk about this, um, you know, important topic, something that's close to your heart, of course, is close to my heart. Um, for those that maybe are not familiar with you, of course, this is Rachel Grant. Uh, her website is rachelgrantcoaching.com. She has an MA in counseling psychology, and she is a sexual abuse recovery coach. And she's also the author of Beyond Surviving, an amazing resource that I've read, one that I highly recommend. You can find it on her website and also on Amazon. So we'll be sure to get you all that information before the end of the show. But let's jump right into it here and talk about the topic of boundaries with children, with adult survivors here in support of Child Abuse Prevention Month. Just on the topic of boundaries boundaries in general, why are they so important for... Um, We'll start with with uh, adult survivors first. Well, you know, at the at the what's underneath boundaries are your needs, right? We we set boundaries based on what we need, what we want, what we desire, yeah. And for survivors of abuse, one of the I think most critical disconnects that occurs um, as a result of abuse is um, from our needs when another person begin, get, begins to impose their own needs, their own wants, their own desires on us, it, it really does create this feeling of like, well, what I want doesn't even matter, right? It all gets kind of pushed to the background. And over time, that just leads to a further and further disconnection or separation. And so you often hear, I mean, I, I felt this way. I, I imagine you might have as well. There were times where people would say, well, how can I help you? Or what do you need? And I literally, I would just like a blank, like, I, I don't know what the hell I need. <laughs> right? Like, I, could, I couldn't even begin to tell you. Um, because it just, it felt like such a remote concept to me of even having needs. So, you know, one of the 
things that we, you know, have to do is restore that connection and rebuild that muscle of being able to connect to our needs and identify a need so that we can then express them and set boundaries. And so one of the reasons why a survivor struggle so much in this area of setting boundaries is that, you know, we don't have that skill developed of connecting to our needs. That's such a key point. And the topics of boundaries is always a hot topic. It's always uh, something that so many people struggle with. It's something that a lot of us just, just don't know anything about, you know, because either we were never taught it or it's something we're just not comfortable with, or we were groomed in some way to feel like we had no boundaries. We didn't deserve any boundaries. So yeah, it's definitely something very important, um, you know, to set boundaries for ourselves, to keep ourselves safe, especially during our recovery. And it's also important for boundaries to help keep our kids safe. And this can be possibly some somewhat of a difficult concept to grab, you know, to try and teach a child, especially if they're younger. And especially also if the parents really don't have those great boundaries or they don't enforce those boundaries. Um, for themselves or in front of their children. So uh, maybe touch on a little bit the importance of um, boundaries for, you know, young children and young teens who are, you know, just to help keep themselves safe and to help understand exactly Mm -hmm. what it means so they're better prepared in the future. Yeah. So when I think about raising children, you know, I don't have children of my own, but I've been in the world of childcare for, you know, prior to my life as a sexual abuse recovery coach, I was an educator and then I was a nanny for many years and worked in the fields of child development and and thinking about, you know, how we teach children to be little, you know, better humans. (laughs) And so, um, you know, we see from a very young age that, uh, that children thrive in structure right? It doesn't need to be um, overbearing. You know, there we want that balance of exploration and play. But when we set boundaries for children, we create a sense of safety. So, you know, a lot of times, even boundaries for us adults are all about creating a sense of safety. And when we're raising children, it's, you know, on the, um, it's kind of the responsibility of the caregiver, whoever that might be, to model that and to kind of set those boundaries um, for those children. So you, you already mentioned, you know, that can be super hard if you yourself are struggling with boundaries to do that. And, uh, but the benefits to children are huge because that's really how we're starting to teach them and model for them, you know, that there are things that you might want that you don't get to do because it imposes on another person. Or there are things that you, you know, teaching them how to make their own request and to to talk about what they need at an early age is really so beneficial because if they can start that off, you know, really early and feel like they're being heard, even if they're told no, even if, you know, their request isn't, you know, um, going to be, um, you know, followed because for whatever reason, just to be heard and seen um, is a, a super important part of that growing up process as well. So especially for younger kids, um, you know, I mean, my kids are mostly grown up. I have a a 22 year old, a 20 year old and a 15 year old. So, um, you know, they're obviously old enough to where they, you know, especially the older two definitely understand, um, you know, what boundaries are, you know, I've taught them, I've talked to them and um, whatnot. But for, for, for younger kids, especially, um, talking to them about the uh, prevention of child abuse and staying safe and knowing boundaries and, are there some tips or strategies or ways that we can help teach younger kids in a way that they can understand what a boundary is? I mean, even when they're younger, you know, enough to understand mm-hmm. that they can speak and, you know, have some idea of what it is. But 
Um, are, is, is there anything that we can help teach them at a younger age that would give them an idea of something to kind of build on? Well, this gets a little tricky because, yeah, we could talk for hours and hours about that. But when I think about, like, what would I prioritize, you know, for people to be paying attention to and doing? The first is that, you know, one of the things I think that happens sometimes with children is that we remove their self-agency. So we deny them the right to say no or to, you know, these sorts of things. And that can actually translate into, you know, something really bad if they haven't been given any sort of self-agency. So finding safe ways to 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 help your children, you know, practice saying no. Um, I remember when I was a nanny uh, with the little boy, he had... Um, you know, he he really thought everything was his choice, which was like over boundaries. <laughs> imagine like, that. <laughs> imagine that, right? And so this was an interesting dance that we had to do between like, well, what is your choice and what isn't your choice, right? Um, and so that gets really difficult with children because they're constantly kind of being told like the adult knows best and you're going to do what the adult says to do, even if you don't like it or even if you don't agree with it. Um, because, you know, the adult from the adult perspective knows why those benefits are there. So you know, um, but what we talked about was all the things that he does have choice about. So teaching him, you know, where that agency is and, you know, certainly things like body safety, body awareness. If an adult ever does anything that you're not comfortable with, that you can, you know, talk to me, talk to your parents, talk to whoever. Um, and, you know, um, I think that the other kind of key piece that's in there is when your children are being, you know, are practicing no, are practicing self-agency, to not shut that down, to offer, and, and you know, if you're not going to, you know, agree with what they're they're saying, but to offer alternatives or to offer the really clear reason as best you can, you know, age appropriately, for why that's not a choice, right? Um, or why you're taking, you know, kind of authorship of that choice in this, at this time and, you know, to what benefit or what purpose it is for them. Does that make sense, Matt? I'm not sure if I... <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it does. And um, you mentioned the term uh, self-agency and maybe um, just kind of uh, explain that a little bit uh, for everybody that's listening so they get an idea yeah. of what that term exactly means and how it relates to, you know, not only children, but of course, as adults as well. Well, this is just my definition of it. So, you know, people might think about it differently. But for me, self-agency is the, you know, the ownership and authorship of your mind, your body, your spirit, and your choices. And so when a child's body is imposed upon by an abuser, they're losing self-agency, self-possession, right? And um, and choice around that. And, um, and then even things like, you know, do I want to brush my teeth right now? And when do I want to do that? It can be little, very simple things, but there are ways that we can, you know, give children more and more agency, more and more authorship, responsibility, choice that really helps them feel empowered. So that's kind of what I mean, because because otherwise, like what you see, like what I see with my clients who I'm working with, some of them in their 50s um, and 60s are they still don't have that sense of self-agency. They're still very much in that place of like, I have to look outside of myself for information or I'm, I'm constantly looking for reassurance or validation from other people or I just or even that feeling of like everything is out of my hands. Right. And I, I'm just going to have to be t- doing what I've been told to do. Um, and I don't have any, any say about that. 
Yeah, and let's kind of stick with that self-agency thing for just a little bit here because it's it's very interesting and it's something that I you know have done some research on too. But as a survivor uh, of childhood, childhood sexual abuse myself, um, and of course as other survivors know, when when we are violated in that way, when something traumatic happens in that way, whether it's once or you know many times over years and years, whatever the case may be, we that does uh, serious damage to to our self agency and our self worth and our you know our self esteem, everything you want to call it. So maybe chat chat a little bit about that if you can for the child who unfortunately experienced this, what that actually does to your to your mind, to your self agency a little bit. So. What comes to mind for me when you're saying that is the the core of what's going on is that your sense of like position in the world is being threatened. So uh, all of a sudden you're in this place where you have this idea that there's something bad or wrong, something that you don't like something that is hurting you and yet everything around you is telling you that this is okay or that you don't have any choice about this right and so that the internal system like on a neurological level what's starting to happen is that you're there's a there's a dissonance that's starting to happen between what you're thinking and feeling and what the world is telling you that you should be thinking or feeling or how you should be experiencing you know this this behavior or this incident and to me it is that very strong separation from self that starts to happen and it brings in you know self-doubt it brings in um kind of a almost like an inability to trust your own self and your own perceptions and your own ideas and your own feelings. And that, of course, later translates into really struggling with setting boundaries. All of those things have to be in place in order to be able to set a boundary and hold a boundary. You bring up so many good points there in what you just said. And I know um, for so long, and even now today still, um, you know, even though you know, I'm I'm in the middle of my survivor journey, and I've been doing all you know a lot of the hard work and all this stuff. It's still hard to trust myself. Period. I mean, mm-hmm. for so long, obviously, when I was younger, and as I've gotten older, and I've been through relationships and divorce, and you know, and other things that happen in life, trusting yourself in just daily decisions can be very difficult. I mean, let alone making, you know, monumental decisions, such as, you know, buying a house or something important, buying a car, getting married, things, things that are, you know, not necessarily life changing, but, you know, still super important. And when you don't have that sense of self, that confidence, uh, you know, the ability to trust yourself and you, uh, I mean, it just, it can be so hard to, to live on, just in daily life, mm-hmm. trying to sure. get through each day. You know, whether it's at work or at home with your family, trying to function can just, I mean, it's can be so hard to learn how to trust yourself again. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And that, that for me is like one of the frustrations that I see, um, you know, that I went through in my own healing journey and that I see happening for survivors all the time is like we identify an issue like I have a hard time setting boundaries. And then we read books on setting boundaries or our therapist gives us skills or tools on setting boundaries, but we haven't actually addressed those underlying core pieces, right? Being able to identify your needs, being able to trust yourself, you know, overcoming, you know, all of that self-doubt, developing more of a connection with self, right? 
And so it perpetuates this cycle of frustration because we go out there and we apply like, oh, okay, to set a boundary, you know, step A, B, C. <laughs> we go, great. And we go I wish it was that world, easy. <laughs> right. And we say, okay, this is what, you know, the book said to do, or this is what the therapist said to do. And okay, I'm going to take this and I'm going to do it. I'm going to set this boundary. And then it doesn't work, right? Or it falls apart or, or something happens. And it's because those underlying pieces, those, um, you know, preceding skills aren't in place and then that leads to more self-doubt and self-incrimination and blame and you know feeling bad and making yourself bad and wrong right so this is something that I find really interesting just in the world of recovery that whenever we think we have like this problem oftentimes it's actually we have this problem It's like, oh, okay, so I got to get these, you know, pieces in place first. And then actually the setting boundaries thing just starts to become a natural, it becomes a, maybe not an easy behavior, but it does become a little bit more natural. It's just a, almost like a necessary outcome. Like when you feel like you are good enough and you feel like you can trust your intuition and you're able to really tune into your needs and notice when your needs aren't being met and be pissed off about that instead of like, well, I just got to deal with it. It's okay. It's probably not, you know, like all that stuff. Then, you know, then the setting of the boundary starts to feel like almost necessary because otherwise you feel out of alignment. Yeah, that's really true. And, you know, it's interesting when you said how, how setting boundaries can almost happen naturally. And I've noticed that too, um, you know, when I first started working with a therapist a while back and, you know, since then it's always been, um, you know, kind of driven home this point driven home of, you know, the boundaries and and setting boundaries and enforcing boundaries. And, you know, if you're not familiar with how to do it, or you don't have enough self-confidence, you know, your self-agency hasn't been built back up. You haven't really started to do a whole lot of healing yet. It can be really difficult to to, to really enforce those boundaries. I mean, it's easy to say, you know, I'm going to set boundary A, B, and C, and everything is going to be spectacular. When in reality, you know, when it's time to enforce those boundaries and when, you know, when kind of push comes to shove, so to speak, oftentimes we back off and we're like, well, maybe I don't need to do that. Maybe I don't need to enforce this boundary. Well, it's not that big of a deal and all the kind of things that you've right. probably heard as well. I've done a lot too. And I still find myself fighting through of that, is it really necessary kind of thing? Do I really need to do this? Was it all that bad kind of thing? I mean, really? <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it really I is. I mean, agree on that. Let, let's kind of move along because you're right. I mean, you, you and I could talk about this all day. And I think maybe one of our future podcasts will actually focus more on boundaries and things because I think it's such a great topic. Um, so with, you know, getting back to, to young children and, and young teens and that type of thing, um, one of the biggest problems with setting boundaries obviously comes with your friends, your peers at school and your friends around, you know, your neighborhood and all that. So um, talk about the importance, maybe if you can a little bit for, you know, maybe young teenagers or those who, who are approaching teenage years who are just starting to experience life and gain confidence and maybe start to have some friends and a bit of a, you know, quote unquote, social life, you know, really the importance of not only from, you know, helping to prevent sexual abuse among teenagers and children, but really just for their own self-esteem moving forward and whatever they do. Hmm. Yeah, teenagers are an interesting uh, group of people, aren't they? <laughs> yes, <laughs> I have they one seem story to know, now. They seem to know what's going on, and they seem to be understanding what's happening, but they actually have, you know, a lot of the um, neurological processes and development of the brain are still happening, and so um, it's a real... Um, 
it's a real struggle at, at that age to have the balance and the groundedness that you need in order to set boundaries and in order to navigate certain things because you have all these other things just kind of pushing and shoving at you. You know, I'm thinking what really came to mind when you when we started talking about this part is I just was like flashing back to when I was a teenager. And I was thinking like, well, how how did I use boundaries as a teenager and did I even know that that's what I was doing and do we really teach this and you know, it's interesting. I think what the teen years are actually I think a wonderful space to safely experience pushing boundaries and what it feels like to not have boundaries if we can find ways to do that in a safe way. Um, you know, the, the ability for a teenager to say like, this is not okay, or I'm not going to do that, you know, in the midst of peer pressure and all of that, you know, what, what has to be there in order for a teen to be able to do that is all of that strong sense of self, like that my sense of self and my belonging is not dependent upon, you know, X, Y, or Z. And so like for me, I very much felt like my belonging was dependent upon, you know, being a particular type of girl or doing particular types of things or, you know, and, and my complete inability to really stand up for myself or to say no, you know, I got myself into a lot of really difficult situations. Um, and so I wonder if like more of the issue and more of the more to the point of it is really teaching teens how to have such a strong sense of inner belonging and and uh, groundedness that they can better navigate you know the things and the pressures that are coming at them from the outside world. It's such a difficult thing as a teenager because you know obviously you're going through physical changes, emotional changes. You're growing up, you're learning new things, you're being experienced, um, or you know you're being uh, confronted with with pressures that you've never had to deal with before. You know maybe you're spending more time away from home because you're at you know sporting events for school and going out with friends or you're dating whatever, mm-hmm. and. Um, you know, trying to set those boundaries, um, and e- even if we don't know that we're setting them, you know, but just trying to to keep or gain a strong sense of self to know that we're worth setting these boundaries and we're worth not going and putting ourselves in situations that you know can be questionable or you know um, undifficult or uh, difficult to deal with, um, and also the awareness to be able to get ourselves out of a situation and to reach for help. I mean, that's so difficult. Mm-hmm. I know. Yeah. In school, especially like middle school, late late elementary and and middle school and probably even like early senior high, you know, like ninth, 10th grade, like those, those years are so can be so hard for so many. I mean, that's that's the years when I personally experienced the bullying that I was there. And, you know, I had this this innate desire to want to fit in. And so I was trying to do all the things the cool kids were doing. And then yeah. and then, you know, you get made fun of because you can't do it the way they do it. And that just crushes your self-esteem. But. Um, you're right. I mean, I think it's so important to be able to help, you know, ingrain this into our children's minds as much as possible for as long as we can, that, you know, they're worth it and they're important and, you know, they are worth keeping themselves safe and not getting into questionable situations. Um, so, but for the child who maybe was raised in an environment where they weren't taught that, uh, perhaps they were raised in a foster system or they were raised with parents or, or, or caregivers who who don't really build up their self-esteem, how can they go about finding resources or, or, or doing something to try and really 
kind of make up for lost time, so to speak, so they don't, you know, so they aren't doomed to maybe repeat the things and the habits that their caregivers or their friends are trying to make them do. Sure. So, you know, a couple of resources are what come to mind. I, you know, I don't really work in the world. I don't work with teens, um, but just along the way have had to, you know, kind of make connections because I do have teens who reach out to me. Um, so finding great resources for them and, and places where they can go. So one of my favorite just kind of books is Repair for Teens. Um, and that's by Marjorie McKinnon. It's a very simple little book, but I think it, it gives teens kind of an entry point into recovery work and healing work in a great way. Um, there's also um, Angela Shelton's book. Um, oh, gosh, I'm going to forget the name of it now, but uh, something warrior. Ah. Um, <laughs> and then there's um, for online, there's um, I do know of a Facebook group that um, is uh, just for teens, survivors of abuse. And then there's also Pandora's Aquarium or um, com or .org. And they have a forum that is specifically for teens um, as well. So yeah, it's pandies.org, P-A-N-D-Y-S.org. So, you know, and then of course there's always, you know, working with a counselor or working with, you know, somebody who, who can support you is, is really critical. You know, there's so many, you know, I really didn't start getting any support, like real support until my early twenties. And, um, and I didn't really dig in, in a really, you know, really clear way until um, maybe my, my later twenties. So I'm always excited when I have teens, you know, reaching out and saying, yeah, here's what I experienced. Here's what's going on for me. And, and I want to get help. That was so like there, that was nowhere on my radar to do that when I was a teen. <laughs> I don't know about you, Matt, but I was like, I'm right. putting my head in the sand and <laughs> exactly. I'm just going to pretend that none of this is here and I'm okay. And of course, you know, I wasn't okay. And it, it really showed up in how I behaved and how I felt about myself and the choices I made. So um, so yeah, those are, those are some of the resources that come to mind for me, um, uh, for teens, you know, and I think obviously as teens, you know, our minds aren't always in a place where we think that we need to embrace help or, or we need to embrace resources. We think we know it all, we have it all together, or it's not that bad, you know, just like you said. And, you know, for me, I just kind of stuck my head in the sand sometimes and was like, screw it, I give up. Mm-hmm. But you know, that, that happened quite often. Um, last thing we'll touch on here is boundaries with social media and i mean my god social media apps they're everywhere i mean yeah i mean apps on your phone um chatting during you know playing computer games chatting while you're playing you know like an xbox or playstation or something there's so many areas that you can chat with people in in a social media world and everybody has access to everybody else's life now i mean it's uncanny like you know when i was a kid we didn't have Thank God right now I'm, I'm saying to myself, I did not have a cell phone. I didn't have Twitter, Facebook, yes. and Instagram where everybody, you know, where I'm, I'm telling the world my whole life every five minutes mm-hmm. of the day and mm-hmm. like the pressures and, and like the need to set boundaries from a social media uh, perspective has to just be so paramount for the kids of the future who are, you know, going to be coming in to this new digital world where everybody yeah. shares everything 24 seven. Yeah. There are some people out there doing really, really great work and research and trainings around these sorts of things. To my mind, like I try to keep everything in my life super simple because the more, the simpler it is for me to wrap my head around it, the easier it is to, to do. Yep, I agree. <laughs> so when it comes to social media, 
and when I'm like talking to teens or talking to friends, like the main thing that I try to really keep in mind on social media is if I wouldn't say it to a person standing right in front of me, don't say it on social media. And to my mind, the, the real trap of social media is that there's this, it's like this pseudo um, an anonymity. Like, it's actually you, like, it's your profile, but then people post there like it's also not. It, it's like this, um, there's like this disconnect. And there's and there's a disconnect between who you're actually giving that information to, right? And so you put something out there and you don't really know who's consuming it and how they might respond to it. So uh, just the most simplest rule is like, if you wouldn't, I, two rules, if you wouldn't say it to your mother... And if you wouldn't say it to a friend in front of you, because and I'm not saying that those things are not supposed to be said, like, but say them to a close friend, say them to somebody who you trust, say it to, you know, somebody who you have some sort of form and relationship to, rather than just kind of this casting it out into the world and who knows where it's going to land um, kind of a thing. I find it interesting because you're right. I mean, people are so bold on social media. I mean, obviously they can be very cruel as well, but mm -hmm. you know, everybody knows who you are. You got your picture, you got your name, everybody's following you. You've got people, you know, you got family, you got friends, you got schoolmates, everybody following you. So when you say something, it's, I find it hard to understand how you can, um, you know, think that you have the, the right to really crush somebody so easily just because you're hiding behind a keyboard. When in reality, not only do people know that it's you, but, and, and you know what, even if they don't know it's you, you know, if you have some kind of a fake account or something, the damage that can be done just in, you know, from from hitting send at the wrong time and, you know, the wrong people see it, just, oh my, it, it can be devastating. I mean, mm -hmm. it, it was hard enough, you know, for us in school when it was just the gossip in the classroom or the gossip, you know, in the cafeteria, but now yeah. you're getting it 24-7 all the time and, you know, everybody's just glued to their phones. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, I, and, and when I was growing up in high school, I was, um, I went through a really difficult period um, where I, you know, lack of boundaries, so, you know, I really was making choices around sexuality that were dangerous and, um, and unhealthy. And I really got pegged as like the girl who would do anything, right? Mm -hmm. And so I'd go to school and I'd get those like shitty, you know, notes in my locker or people would like say shit as a, oh, if I can curse on your show, say yeah, stuff as I'm walking by, you know, in the hallway, uh, you know, just constant. But I would go home and it would be gone, right? I'd go hang out with my friends after school, right? I'd go hang out with the people who love me, know me, care about me and aren't going to say that stuff to me. And there was a reprieve, right? There was a reprieve. And I think what is so sad and so just, I am so glad I am not a kid these days. I'm just so, so thankful. Like I, I really agree. cannot even imagine because yeah, you know, you're, there's no escaping it. There's no get away from it. Um, and what that does on a neurological level and on a nervous system level is just so detrimental. It's just so detrimental. So, you know, I have a lot of, I have a lot of heart for kids who are out there navigating all of that these days, because it's not easy. It definitely brings in a, a whole lot of layers that I just didn't even have to deal with when I was a kid. Yeah, you and me both. And you're right. In this day and age, there is no reprieve from anything. I mean, whether it's social media, whether it's just 
access to the world in general. Like there's no break that that we had as kids where you go home and you hang out with your friends and ride your bike and go get, you know, you know, a milkshake somewhere. I mean, now every, everywhere you go, people are staring at their phones and they're constantly connected from the time they fall asleep to the second they wake up. And it's just relentless. And, you know, even if it's not something that's negative, it's just that, you know, relentless, yeah. um, incessant need to, to really stay connected. And the ability to disconnect, I think, is almost darn near impossible for for kids nowadays if we're going to be honest but yeah i think that's right um but yeah uh rachel this has been so awesome why don't we finish up and you can tell everybody where to meet you um where to check out your information about uh your coaching programs your book everything else oh thanks matt so uh you're welcome to visit me at www.rachelgrantcoaching.com and in particular, since we've been talking about boundaries today, I do have a master class on how to set boundaries and communicate with ease. So you can get the MP3 download of that training for $10 for on the website. So you can go into the resources section or you can go directly there, rachelgrantcoaching.com slash communications dash class. Um, and then I also encourage you, if you're at the website, to get the um, stages of recovery checklist so that you can identify, you know, which stage of recovery you're in and what kind of support that you can get to most help you based on which stage of recovery you're in. And of course, if you're noticing that the work that I do resonates with you, you're always welcome to apply for a Discover Your Genuine Self session in which we'll spend some time getting to know each other and um, creating a vision uh, for your life and determining if the Beyond Surviving program is a good fit for you. Excellent. Rachel, thank you so much. I definitely uh, encourage everyone, check out the download, check out the resources. If you'd like to work with Rachel, go to rachelgrantcoaching.com, get in contact with her. Um, she's an amazing coach. She's an amazing advocate. Uh, she's an author. Beyond Surviving is incredible. I've read it. Um, it's, an, it's a great resource. You can find it um, on Amazon. You can find it on her website. So thank you again, Rachel. I appreciate it. And I can't wait to do it again. Thanks, Matt, for sure. Thanks again for listening to Surviving My Podcast, sponsored by survivingmypast.net a blog about my life with dissociation, anxiety, and PTSD, and in support of all who have survived the trauma of abuse. This podcast or any resources sponsored by survivingmypast.net should not be considered as therapy or professional medical help. If you are in crisis, I encourage you to seek out the services of a mental health or physical health professional. I also encourage you to check out online crisis support from sites like rain.org, oneand6.org, and The Samaritans. If you would like to be a guest on a future podcast, just contact me anytime through email, matt at survivingmypast.net, or use the contact forms on the blog. Thank you again for your support and encouragement, and always know that you rock. Talk to you soon.